On today's episode, according to a recent fan poll on Twitter, Blackhawks blue liner Seth Jones does not rank as a top 50 defenseman in the NHL. I'll talk about where I think Seth Jones ranks and also get into a Central Division preview of the Arizona Coyotes. All that and plenty more right here on Locked On Blackhawks. Your Locked On Blackhawks, your daily podcast on the Chicago Blackhawks. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. What's up, everyone? Welcome on in to another episode of Lockdown Blackhawks, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. Today is Tuesday, August 8th. I'm your host, Jack Bushman. As always, go and show me some love on Twitter at JackBushman2, or you could also go and follow my Strictly Blackhawks account at Talk and Hockey for all the latest Blackhawks news and updates. And also, just a quick reminder to go and subscribe to the YouTube channel if you haven't done so already. I'm really trying to boost the numbers up on the show right now, and subscribing won't cost you anything. It's 100% free and only takes two seconds to go and help your boy out. And also that way you can go and get the latest episode as soon as it becomes available each and every day. And also make sure to follow Lockdown Blackhawks on Instagram as well to have an opportunity to win some cool free Blackhawks stuff with the giveaway that I'm having right now on the channel. I'll be talking a little bit more about this giveaway following the first ad break. So make sure to stay tuned until that point of the episode. All right. Good morning, everyone. As always, thank you all for joining me on another episode of Lockdown Blackhawks, your one-stop shop for all things Chicago Blackhawks. And thank you all for making the show your very first listen here to start off your week. I hope everyone out there enjoyed themselves over the weekend, had a few relaxing days off, but as always, back to business here on the Lockdown Blackhawks podcast. And to kick things off this week, we have an update on goaltender Alex Stalock, who of course hit the open market as an unrestricted free agent this summer after spending just one season here in Chicago with the Blackhawks. That was kind of to be expected though, given the circumstances around the Blackhawks goalie situation right now, right? Peter Mrazek is still under contract for one more year. Arvid Soderbloom is finally going to get that opportunity uh, to be a full-time NHLer. So it seems as he's expected to be the backup behind Morazic headed up to the season, leading into the season. So we knew that this was coming. Alex Stalock was not going to be brought back, right? I mean, it's had been pretty apparent since, you know, free agency was uh, well over a month at this point. We knew Alex Stalock was going to come back, even though, you know, he, he was the Blackhawks best goaltender undoubtedly one healthy throughout the course of this past season. Unfortunately, he just wasn't on the ice all that much. He only wound up playing in 27 games for the Blackhawks this season, but I'll tell you what, I enjoyed each and every single one of those 27 games because Alex Daylock was an absolute blast to watch play and that I mean loves getting aggressive, loves playing the puck, always uh is Uh, capable of giving you a heart attack every now and then with how aggressive he'll come out of his net in order to play a loose puck. But he certainly made watching the Blackhawks more fun, certainly made this team a little bit more entertaining. And as I said, 
was undoubtedly their best goaltender when healthy this season. In those 27 games, the stats may not necessarily reflect it because the Blackhawks were so dreadful as a whole this season. Um, but considering the Blackhawks had the third worst record in the NHL, for Staylock to go 9-15-2 with a 3.01 goals against average, 9.08 save percentage, and to be responsible for their only two shutouts in net this season. I mean, you have to consider it a pretty impressive year altogether, right? And quite honestly, those numbers were even better for a majority of the campaign until it felt like Staylock ran out of gas a little bit at the end of the year, which, you know, is understandable given that he was, you know, facing 30 to 40 shots seemingly each and every night. Um, his save percentage was right around 915, 920 for a majority of the season. And that goals against average really didn't get above three until that latter stretch in the year. So altogether, it was an absolutely astounding season from Alex Daylock. And what uh, what a surprise. I mean, a welcome surprise he wound up being for this Blackhawks team. He didn't, you know, end up costing the tank anything. Um, but I, I've told this story a couple of times here on the show, but I'll tell it again for you know, why not? Um, but I remember the initial reaction when Alex Daylock first signed Blackhawks fans, including myself, were pretty excited about him being the backup because it seemed like he was really going to help this Blackhawks team tank, given that he had only appeared in one NHL game over the last two years, didn't even really put up all that impressive numbers at the AHL level, and obviously had to battle back from myocarditis, which is the reason he had to step away from the game for a year. So it seemed like a perfect situation for Staylock to kind of be the backup, and you don't really expect all that much from him, but he turned out to be um, such a pleasant surprise for this Blackhawks squad, both on and off the ice. I mean, everyone talked about what a good guy he was in the locker room. Everyone, no one had a bad word to say about Alex Stalock. Seemed like a guy that always kept the morale high, kept the mood light, and was just a real good teammate inside that locker room. So uh, sad that it was only a one-year tenure for Alex Stalock here in Chicago, but I am excited to see what's going to happen with him uh, and the next step of his career is on Monday, he officially signed a one-year, one-way deal with the Anaheim Ducks with an $800,000 AAV for next season. And I'm curious to see how this is going to pan out in Anaheim because it is a one-way deal for Staylock. You'd have to clear waivers in order to get sent to the AHL. And the Ducks already have Lucas Dostal, who I talked about a couple of weeks ago when breaking down the top 10 goalie prospects in the NHL, Dostal found his way on that list. And Anaheim still has John Gibson on their roster as well, although there are some curious trade rumors around his name right now. I just saw that he denied that he's requested a trade. We're going to see how that shakes out there, but it does feel like some pretty interesting timing on the Ducks end, given there's those rumors around John Gibson. And then on Monday, they go and give Alex Stalock a one-way deal. He's going to be fighting for a job in training camp regardless of uh, who's in the goaltender group for Anaheim. But wishing all the best for Alex Daylock again. He was just such an awesome guy, both on and off the ice. Such a joy to watch out there. Really re revitalized and kind of saved his career here in Chicago. Really hope he can keep that going and gets a lot of action with the Ducks next season. I also wanted to mention real quick here, folks, I know that on last Friday's episode, it kind of seemed like I was wrapping up my World Junior Summer Showcase talk, but that was before I saw what, what wound up playing out on Friday afternoon in uh, the final couple of games 
for the United States as uh, Frank Nazar, Gavin Hayes, and Oliver Moore all went on to have a productive final showing and to give off one strong lasting impression to the Team USA coaching staff ahead of the 2024 World Juniors here this fall. We saw uh, Frankie Nazar, Sam Renzel, and Gavin Hayes play for Team USA Blue against, uh, was it Finland? Well, who did they play? Against Sweden. They played Sweden in their finale on Friday, and what a showing it was, although it was a little bit of a tough start for the United States. They found themselves down 4-1 to one early on in the second period before they mounted together an unbelievable, an unbelievable comeback. And how were they able to do that? With the help of a couple of Blackhawks prospects, Gavin Hayes pulled off a perfect give-and-go pass and play to enter the offensive zone with some speed. That gave him a little bit of a semi-breakaway and a nice finish cut the United States deficit to four to three. And then early on in the third period, Frank the Tank Nazar got a little bit of a lucky break. Ryan Leonard shot on an odd man rush, wound up bouncing off his equipment and going past the goaltender to tie the game four to four. And then in the dwindling seconds of the third period, 2023 first round pick, not a Blackhawks first round pick, but Quentin Musty wound up scoring the game winner with under two seconds left to go. What a way to wrap up the World Junior Summer Showcase for that squad. They steal the 5-4 to four win thanks to some big goals from Gavin Hayes and Frank Nazar late in that one. And then for Team USA White, they wound up playing uh, Finland in their season finale, and we saw another two goals scored from 19th overall pick, Oliver Moore, the first one absolutely displaying his wheels, creating a breakaway opportunity for himself with another little nifty finish. And then his second driving the net with a purpose, using his speed to find the open ice, a great centering pass. He winds up tapping it home. Another two goals from Oliver Moore in this one. We saw a four goal performance from Frankie Nazar earlier on in the tournament. Some awesome stuff from a handful of Blackhawks prospects here in the World Junior Summer Showcase. And I did want to mention Corey Pronman released his projections for the 2024 World Juniors following the Summer Showcase. We saw four Blackhawks prospects there on Team USA, Oliver Moore, Gavin Hayes, and Frank the Tank Nazar. I think Nazar and Moore are locks to be on that team, even though Pronman kind of considered Moore as the last man in. I don't know how they pass up on his speed. I, I just don't see it being possible. I think he makes the squad. Gavin Hayes is really going to be an interesting one. Such a deep forward group for the United States. He's going to have to have a good start of his season, I think, in order to make this squad. But a really good summer showcase for him as well. Bronman also had Sam Renzel on the back end for the United States. And he also had two Blackhawks prospects playing for Team Canada as well. The first is a no-brainer in defenseman Kevin Korczynski, who's expected to have a huge top four role for Team Canada in this upcoming WJC. The other was 2022 third round pick Samuel Savoy. Now, I think he has an outside chance to make this team, but if he performs how he did last season for Gatineau off the jump, I think his grit and sandpaper and the little bit of a different type of game that he provides compared to some of the skill guys, I do think that gives him an opportunity to wind up cracking Team Canada's World Junior roster as well. All right, there are some final thoughts on the World Junior Summer Showcase. Coming up in just a moment, I will break down whether Seth Jones is a top 50 defenseman in the NHL. But first, I need to talk to you all 
about AG1, the daily foundational nutrition supplement that supports whole body health. And I gave AG1 a try and I now drink it literally every single morning because I was tired of taking so many supplements and I wanted a single solution that supports my entire body and covers my nutritional bases every single day. And I drink AG1 in the morning before I work out or before I jump on here to record the show or just whether I need to get started in the morning because it makes me feel unstoppable. I'm ready to go and I've covered all of my nutritional bases. And thanks to AG1, covering my bases couldn't be any easier. I just mix one small scoop with water and drink it first thing every single morning. And I also like it because it costs less than $3 per day, which is such a cheap and easy way to invest in both your health and your body. And if you need a comprehensive solution, AG1 is what you need. Go and try AG1 and you'll get a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you need to do is go to drinkag1.com slash NHL Network. Again, that's drinkag1 slash NHL Network to check it out right now. All right, we're back here on the Lockdown Blackhawks podcast, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. Real quick, if you haven't done so already, make sure, please, that you're subscribed to Lockdown Blackhawks on YouTube. Really trying to boost those numbers up right now. And also, make sure you're following Lockdown Blackhawks on Instagram to have a chance to win some cool free stuff as part of the giveaway that I'm having right now. And all you have to do in order to qualify, it's super easy. Subscribe to the YouTube channel, follow Lockdown Blackhawks on Instagram, and then just quickly send Lockdown Blackhawks a DM of a screenshot showing you're subscribed to the channel. Subscribe to YouTube, follow the Instagram account, send me a DM of a screenshot that shows you're subscribed, and you'll have a chance to win some cool free Blackhawks stuff. I've recently posted pictures on the Instagram account of all the items involved in the giveaway, and the lucky winner will be able to select one item of their choosing. So make sure to go do all of that so you don't miss out on the opportunity to win some cool free Blackhawks stuff. All right, segment two, Hockey on Twitter. Some of you out there probably know him, some of you don't. Uh, I recommend for anyone who's out there on Twitter or X or whatever Elon is wanting to call it these days, uh, I recommend subscribing to Jay Fresh Hockey on Twitter. I actually uh, follow his player cards and have subscribed to his Patreon. He provides a lot of good deeper analytics and just a lot of good deeper information on the game of hockey. And I'm not the biggest analytical guy. I don't think analytics are the end-all be-all But I do think it's always nice to have all the information, all the data, all the statistics possible to help get a little bit of a better understanding on all of these players. So shout out to Jay Fresh Hockey. I always recommend uh, following him on Twitter and subscribing to his Patreon. This is not an ad. I just think he does a really good job. But anyways, Jay Fresh on Twitter recently um, held a fan poll asking people to rank the top 200 defensemen in the NHL from top to bottom. And I know there's obviously going to be a lot of variance in this with it being a fan poll and there being so many options. People are just undoubtedly going to forget about people and it's going to cause the rankings to be a little bit interesting. So I don't expect this to be perfect. And I don't think it's, you know, the end all be all top 50 rankings of all the defensemen in the NHL or whatever, the top 200. Um, But I did find it interesting that Chicago Blackhawks defenseman Seth Jones did not crack the top 50. That kind of stunned me. 
wound up ranking number 51, just outside of the top 50, according to NHL fans across the world. And look, I'm not going to sit here and argue that I think Seth Jones should be in the top 20 or 30. I'll go over, you know, some of this list just to give you all a little bit more insight here, running through some of the names. I'll go through the top 20 just to give you all an idea real quick here. McCarr was one, Fox was two, Yossi was three, Hedman four, Haskinen five, McAvoy six, Darlene seven, Eric Carlson eight, Quinn Hughes, 9, Jacob Slavin, 10, Devontae's 11, Hamilton, 12, Petrangelo, 13, Cider, 14, Theodore, 15, Ekblad, 16, Sergachev, 17, Morrissey, 18, Lindholm, 19, and Wierenski, 20. I'm not going to argue that Seth Jones should be inside that top 20. But to not be inside the top 50 whatsoever to me, again, I think it's just people judging him solely on his contract. And now, is it a bad contract? I just talked about this on Friday. Yes, undoubtedly, it's a bad contract. He's probably making two, two and a half, maybe even a little bit more than what he should be. I'm not arguing that. But just because he has a bad contract does not mean he's a bad defenseman. And I also think it doesn't help Seth Jones's case that he really hasn't had a ton of help on the Blackhawks' blue line since coming to Chicago here, like he got a little bit of action with Jake McKay before he got dealt, but really hasn't played with another true top pairing guy here in Chicago. Um, Also obviously didn't have a lot of skill around him this year, which led to uh, the assists and the point production being down. I think people unfairly critique Seth Jones for those things. When in reality, again, I don't think he's a top 20, even a top 25 guy, but I do think he should probably be ranked somewhere in between 30 and 40. And I'm going to start going through these rank, not through all the rankings, but I'm going to go through some of the players that were ranked ahead of Seth Jones that I have a little bit of a problem with. Maybe not necessarily, well, each of them are individual cases. I'll go through them one by one as I do here. Coming in at number 37, and this was just more so my gripe with the gap between this player and Seth Jones. Coming in at number 37, was Noah Hannafin, who is two years younger than Seth Jones at this point in time. He had 38 points in 81 games last year for the Calgary Flames, but he's only tallied over 40 points once in his eight-year NHL career. And now I know Noah Hannafin has some good size to him. He's a big boy, gotten a little bit better defensively over time. But when he was drafted in this league, he was a high first-round pick because of his offensive ceiling. And he really just hasn't I know he's only 26 years old and there is still upside undoubtedly for, for Noah Hannafin defensemen do always take longer, but this is going to be his ninth NHL season now. And I just don't ever think he's going to be the offensive point producer that he was kind of expected to be, or the offensive point producer to be uh, a number one on a really good NHL team. That's just my opinion about Noah Hannafin. Um, He ranked 37, Seth Jones ranked 51. I don't think that gap should be that large, quite honestly. Like I said, I do think he's probably a little bit better defensively than Seth Jones is in terms of defensive zone coverage, but I I absolutely think he has the lower ceiling of the two, even though he is two years younger. So my biggest gripe for this was just the gap 
between Noah Hannafin coming in at 37 and Seth Jones at number 51 when I think they're pretty similar and Seth Jones could easily, I think, be in that 37 to 40 range. The next player that I had a little bit of a gripe with was Bowen Byram, the fourth overall pick in the 2019 NHL draft, still only 22 years old, had 24 points in 42 games for the Colorado Avalanche last season, already is a Stanley Cup champion, of course, but he's also only played in 90 regular season games in his first three NHL seasons. And I completely agree. The ceiling is high. He could be a great puck-moving defenseman with unbelievable speed, could be a power play guy, going to fit in beautifully behind McCarr um, and Devontae's, of course, as well. Bowen Byram isn't better than Seth Jones yet. What are we talking about here? Bowen Byram has shown flashes, and yes, I agree. His ceiling's higher than Seth Jones. He's 22, Seth Jones is 28. Bowen Byram has the higher ceiling, but who are we kidding here? He's played 90 NHL games. This kid is not better than Seth Jones right now. He very well could be in two to three years. Bowen Byram, if I'm trying to win right now, I'm taking Seth Jones over Bowen Byram. If I'm trying to win in three, four, five, six years, I'm taking Bowen Byram. I had a problem with Byram being ranked above um, Jones, although I do think there's some fan bias in that one for sure. Ryan McDonough coming in at number 46 stumped me a little bit as well. He's now 34 years old. He had 20 points in 71 games this past season. He's had no more than 26 points in each of the last four years. And even though he has been uh, known as a more defensive-minded defenseman, especially as he's gotten up there in age, he's only had an above Corsi, uh, an above 50 Corsi 4 percentage once in his 15-year NHL career. And look, I don't use Corsi as you know the determining stat in any of these things. I just thought that was interesting around Ryan McDonough as he's getting older, playing uh, lesser roles. If I'm trying to win right now, I'm taking Seth Jones over Ryan McDonough. Maybe that's just me, but I thought Ryan McDonough was rated way too high on this list for how he is at, at his age. Uh, Darnell Nurse at 47. I think you could swap Darnell Nurse and Seth Jones. Like, I don't understand how... Seth Jones had the worst contract in the NHL and Darnell Nurse had the ninth worst. They basically have the same deal. Seth Jones barely makes more money than he does. And Darnell Nurse, I don't think, has the offensive ceiling that Seth Jones does either. I mean, they're both the same age. Darnell Nurse had 43 points in 82 games last year, but he's only been above 40 points twice in nine years. He plays 22 to 23 minutes a game, and he's out there with Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl, and he's still not racking up the assists that we saw Seth Jones have last year with the Blackhawks. I also don't think defensively he's capable of being a number one in this league either, which you can make the same argument for Seth Jones for, but I I really think you could swap these guys' positions. I, I absolutely think Seth Jones, I'd take Seth Jones over Darnell Nurse, me personally. Uh, I also had a problem with Alec Martinez coming in at number 50. I mean, listen, Alec Martinez is an absolute warrior absolute beast of a shot blocker, still great on the penalty kill, but at 36 years old, he's a one dimensional defenseman that's allowed to kind of thrive in that role because of the talent on the blue line that the Vegas Golden Knights have. And I'm not taking anything away from Alec Martinez, but he's a defensive defenseman at this point in his career, 36 years old, doesn't contribute much offensively, um, he's a second pairing guy, kind of like McDonough. As he's gotten older, his role has gotten lesser and lesser. I'm taking Seth Jones over Alec Martinez. Maybe that's crazy. Um, I don't know. That's that's the way I feel. I, I would certainly, I guess there's a spot for each of those guys, right? Like if I could have Alec Martinez as a depth guy on my team, I'd absolutely love it because there's no doubt he's a winner. He's proven that in his career. 
great shot blocker, great defensive defenseman, but he's limited in what he can do. Whereas Seth Jones obviously has more capability on the offensive side of things in transition as a puck carrier. I take Seth Jones's skill set over Alec Martinez's skill set. I guess I could phrase it like that. So for me, I just think people are blaming Seth Jones too much for his contract. I also think they look at uh, the 25 assists that he had in 72 games this year and go, oh my God, that is terrible. When truly he potted 12 goals, had a really good season in that department. And the Blackhawks offense as a whole was just pretty brutal. I mean, Patrick Kane struggled to put up numbers with this team before he got dealt. So I'm not going to put that against Seth Jones. To kind of sum this all up, I think Seth Jones probably ranks somewhere between 35 and 40 in the NHL. Maybe on a show here this offseason, I'll put together my top 50 defensemen in the NHL, but I do think Seth Jones cracks the top 50. I'm not saying he's a top 25, top 30 guy, but I do think he deserved to be somewhere in between 30 and 40. All right, folks, coming up in just a moment, don't go anywhere as I still have to get into a season preview for the Arizona Coyotes. All right, segment three, it's time to get into my new segment here on the show this offseason where I'm taking a deeper look at each and every other team in the NHL Central Division. I've already gone over the St. Louis Blues, the Colorado Avalanche, Winnipeg Jets, Dallas Stars, can easily check those videos out on my YouTube channel. Make sure to smash the like button. Go and comment down below as well. Only takes two seconds. Kind of drives the SEO in my favor, which I would always greatly appreciate. Today, the next team I am going to be getting into is the Arizona Coyotes, who still are rebuilding, still are wondering what the future of their franchise is going to look like, and still not expected to contend in the Central Division for this upcoming season. Another tough year for them this past year, going 28, 40, and 14. That was good enough for 70 points in the Central, good enough for seventh ahead of the Chicago Blackhawks, which probably didn't do them any favors. Those 14 overtime losses really didn't do the Coyotes any favors because they missed out on the opportunity for a top five selection and an absolutely loaded NHL draft. But at the same time, they did show some signs of life out there on the ice, particularly in the second half of the season. But they're still in a really tough spot right now. The prospect pool, yes, is getting deeper. They have tons of draft picks moving forward. But in terms of the current on-ice entertainment, it looks like the Arizona Coyotes are going to come up short once again this season. Now, I will give general manager... Uh, Bill Armstrong some credit here because he didn't just sit back on his thumbs. He did go out there and make a couple of moves for the Arizona Coyotes. They have a ton of, you know, cap space to to utilize. Um, but I just don't think they made any true moves to get them over the hump. And I don't think they were trying to. I think they still recognize they're in the process. This is still a little bit of a filler season. And despite making all those moves, I just don't think it's going to be enough in such a competitive central division to make them any more competitive than they were last season. But kind of taking a look at the offseason moves the Coyotes made, they signed Matt Dumba just yesterday to a one-year contract. They brought back Troy Stetcher on a one-year deal as well. Uh, Jason Zucker got a one-year contract. Alex Kerfoot signed a two-year deal. They brought back Nick Bugstad, who they traded 
Uh, and then they also brought back RFA's Jack McBain and Matthias Michelli, who had an excellent rookie campaign for the Coyotes last season. We also saw the Coyotes trade a 2024 second round pick to the Los Angeles Kings in exchange for defenseman Sean Dersey. That was basically all the moves they made here in the offseason. But they did have two first round picks in the 2023 NHL draft, but certainly went outside the box from what people were expecting. They selected Dmitry Simashev with the sixth overall pick, and most folks had him ranked around number 20 or so. And then they also took Daniil Boot with the 12th overall selection, someone that I in particular was not very high on and probably would have been there much later in the draft. So kind of um, some outside-the-box selections for the Coyotes in this year's draft. They also did select Michael Harabal. Uh, from the Czech Republic, who was expected to be the first goalie off the board until the Blackhawks took Adam Guyon. Um, but it is a, a good prospect pool for the Arizona Coyotes. They have, uh, led by Dylan Gunther, uh, Logan Cooley, and Connor Geeky, each have been top 11 picks over the last three NHL drafts. And then looking ahead, they also have uh, one first, three seconds, and three thirds in the 2024 NHL draft, one first four seconds and two thirds in 2025. And then another first three seconds and two thirds in 2026. So it it kind of feels similar to what the Blackhawks have been able to do over the last year. It's just only taken the coyotes a lot longer to accumulate all of those draft picks. But look, if you want to go through a full scale rebuild, that's the way to do it. It's to load up on future draft picks. And I like Dylan Gunther. I like Logan Cooley, Connor geeky. I like as well. They have some players. It's just still going to be a couple of years for this Arizona Coyotes team. The one thing I will say, though, is I do think they have a pretty talented forward group going into this upcoming season, even though I don't think it's going to be enough for them to contend for a playoff spot whatsoever. I am impressed by this forward group. They have Clayton Keller, Nick Schmaltz, Lawson Krause, Matias Michelli, uh, Barrett Hayton, another first-round pick of theirs that showed some improvement last year. They bring in Kerfoot. They bring in Zucker. They bring back Bukestad, bring back McBain. They still have Travis Boyd, and they obviously have help on the way uh, at their forward positions as well. The problem for this team is their defense is just kind of garbage, in my opinion. Um, Matt Dumba will help in that area. Same with Sean Dersey. But other than that, it's, you know, J.J. Moser, who, to be fair, is probably their best defenseman. Uh, been for the last couple of years. Victor Soderstrom, a former first-round pick. Joshua Brown, Troy Stetcher, Yuso Valamaki. It's a pretty unimpressive defensive corp for this Arizona Coyotes team, and I really think they're going to have to draft some defensemen moving forward, and really are hoping Dmitry Simashev can be a guy. Um, but with that defensive core, it looks like it could be a, another long year potentially for uh, Carl Val- uh, Vemelka and Connor Ingram in net. So all in all, my prediction for this Arizona Coyotes team, it's another filler season for them. I do think they're talented enough offensively where there could be some progress, but I just don't see them competing with that defensive corp in this deep of a central division. So I'm going to predict that they're going to finish in the bottom two of the central this year, and odds are they'll probably be in last. But brighter days ahead for this Arizona Coyotes squad. Loads of draft picks in the next three years some talent at the forward group stepping onto the scene this year and the next couple of seasons. We'll see if uh, they'll be able to piece it together here, but don't expect too much out of the Arizona Coyotes in the 2023-2024 campaign.
All right, folks, I think that is going to wrap up Tuesday, August 8th episode of Locked On Blackhawks. As always, thank you all again for tuning into the show and be sure to go and subscribe to Locked On Blackhawks on YouTube and follow Locked On Blackhawks for 100% free wherever you may be listening to your podcasts. As always, I'm your host, Jack Bushman. Go and check me out on Twitter at JackBushman2 or you could also go and check out my Strictly Blackhawks account at Talk and Hockey for all the latest Blackhawks news and updates. So until the next episode, that's going to do it here for the Lockdown Blackhawks podcast, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day.